Hello there, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist, personal trainer, busy mom, and I live on a small hobby farm. I'm a former bodybuilder, and I currently have found a love for endurance sports, but I'm not your typical athlete. I believe there are many more contributors to athletic performance and overall health, and that we as a population might be doing it wrong. You won't see me pounding goose or chicken and rice, but you will see me in the pursuit to fuel not only athletic performance, but also balance it with optimal health. This is not just a podcast for athletes. Many people that fall into the health scene get there for a reason. I found myself in suboptimal states at multiple times in my life, and it has really sparked my passion for metabolic and systemic health. I'm constantly a student of what I love, and now I hope to help others by bringing quality guests to the show to share their opinions and resources to hopefully help you formulate strategies to help you crack your health code. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited that you have decided to spend some of your time with me today. It really is an honor that you guys listen to these podcasts and share them with your friends. I really appreciate it because I'm trying to get this information out there to hopefully help others because you never know what you're going to say that could be life-changing for somebody, and that is my biggest goal with this podcast. So I'm super thankful that you're spending your time with me. Uh, Today, I'm pretty lucky. I have a fellow podcaster joining me on the episode. His name is Brian Grin. I was a guest on his podcast several months back, and we really hit it off. And so today, I decided to have him join me on my episode to share some of his experiences with intermittent fasting. So he's a personal trainer, health coach, offers some wonderful challenges online, including a 21-day fasting challenge. And so today he's going to educate us on his information about intermittent fasting. So before we get going, make sure if you like this episode that you hit the pause button real quick and go leave me a review. Those reviews are so important and I cannot tell you how important they are. They help me get this information out to people and the way things work is if you don't have reviews, the algorithms don't show your podcast up and then this can't get out there to other people. So don't be greedy guys. I wanna share this podcast with everyone, not just you. Please go leave me a written review or at least some stars. I can't tell you how thankful that I am when you do that because it really makes a immense difference. So anyway, before we dive into the podcast, I just want to let you guys know that I still have some wonderful challenges out there, including some beginner challenges that will be starting in March here. So I'm really looking forward to those. And if you guys want to pop on over to my website at ConnieNightingale.com, I can get you signed up and we can start this health journey together. So totally looking forward to that. And if you've listened to some of my past episodes, I think over the last three, you would know that I have become a consultant for Beauty Counter. Now, I know this seems taboo with all the multi-level marketing stuff, but they're not multi-level marketing but I feel like there's a stigma there. Anyways, I had been recommending all of their products to my clients and my friends and Then I had the podcast with Amy Carlson where we talked about toxins in your home and she brought them up as one of the top three beauty companies out there that are clean. So I felt like that was an omen and that it was telling me I did need to jump on board with their services and become a beauty counter representative. So with that being said, if you guys ever have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. You can send me a message via my website, which is ConnieNightingale.com. You can friend me on Instagram. I would love that. Shoot me a DM and we can chat about anything, really. It doesn't have to be about makeup. This is not just about makeup. This is about overall health and I love to answer questions. So please feel free. Reach out to me. I would love to chat. If you're interested in Beauty Counter products, you can head on over to www.beautycounter.com forward slash Connie Nightingale. Find some great products. I highly recommend that you try the tinted moisturizer. I know it's been a game changer for me because I'm not a huge fan of wearing a bunch of makeup. Actually, more than likely, you probably see me with no makeup on most of the time, and most people are used to that. But the tinted moisturizer is great. You put it on, it gives you very light coverage and just enough to kind of cover those little blemishes that you have while also moisturizing. So that has definitely been a favorite of mine. Anyway, 
Without further ado and me babbling on about all of these things, I would like to introduce to you Brian Grin. Hey, Brian, welcome to this show. It's been a little bit since we've talked. I know I recently was on your podcast. Uh, we recorded, I don't know, several months ago and we hit it off and we have a lot of the same ideas and thought processes on things. So I thought it was only fitting that I get you back on the show and we get you to talk about your deal. Yeah, Connie. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm excited and I uh, enjoyed you on my podcast. So I'm glad I'm on yours now. <laughs> so it, the stars aligned. It's funny how we all um, fall into these same circles and we start learning from each other and we just develop this network of people that can all get out there and get health information out into the world where people can hopefully make changes in their own life. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. That's probably been the biggest bonus with doing podcasting is just meeting like-minded individuals and just great for networking and uh, learning, you know, so it, I, I've, I've enjoyed the whole process. That's awesome. So today you're going to talk to us a little bit about fasting. Uh, that's your area of expertise uh, in particular, and you do talk about it a lot. And so I haven't had anyone really on the show to, to get real in deep into a dive deep into it. And so mm -hmm. I'm hoping that you can kind of help inform my listeners today on some fasting techniques and why it's important and how it can help them out in their overall health journey. Yeah, for sure. It's something I've become passionate about. And if you probably asked me seven, eight years ago, I'd be like, Oh, you know, I never really did it. So, uh, it's sort of evolved over time. And I was, uh, influenced by actually a client of mine who got into fasting and had great results. I was like, wow, there's something to this. And, uh, this was probably, probably six, seven years ago. And, uh, yeah, I just ran with it, started doing it myself and then researching and reading books. And now it's getting a little more mainstream, which is, which is always good. I love that. And the funny thing is, is like, I'm kind of in the same camp as you, where it's like, you know, if you would have told me five years ago that I was into fasting, I would have been like, are you freaking kidding? You lose muscle when that happens. I had such a bro mentality, you know, and it's just crazy, like to look back at your life and see the things that you learn along the way. And I mean, it's, it's an insane thing, especially now, because I used to think that also it was an excuse for people to starve themselves. And so I was kind of against it in that sense, but now I see exactly the benefits of it. And I was just explaining to a client the other day about it. I said, you're not cutting a meal. You're still maintaining the same caloric um, intake, but you're actually just rolling that into like the next meal. So, uh, she was like, Oh, I get it now. This is cool. So <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes when you frame things a certain way and you're like, oh, that, that makes sense. It's, you know, I, if you told me I would skip breakfast now, like I used to love, you know, breakfast was my, my, my big, my big meal, uh, back in the day. But yeah, now I don't even think about it. It's like, I, I, I don't want breakfast cause it'll just slow me down. Um, and you can always, you know, if you love breakfast foods, you could do that for dinner. So. Yeah, there you go. That's a great idea. Actually, I never right. even thought of that. So that's lovely. So let's kind of dive into this. First of all, what is fasting? Can you kind of break it down? And then why is it beneficial for us to implement it into our routines? Yeah, so fasting, simply put, is just a voluntary abstinence of food. Um, and essentially, so any type of calories. And yeah, like it's, Simply put, you know, people ask me, well, what, what can they have on a fast? I mean, I like to keep it simple and say, like, you can have everything but, you know, tea or some black coffee. Um, so, yeah, fasting is just a voluntary thing. It's something that um, it's not a start, you know, it's not starvation. Um, it's just abstaining from food for a period of time. And uh, what was the second part of your question? <laughs> was how can, how can people benefit from it? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that it's one of those things that can, it's, I like to use it as a tool. 
Um, it doesn't need to be done. I mean, I like to do it every day, but again, if someone has tried everything, I think it's a great sort of next step um, because we always talk about what you should eat, but a lot of times we never really talked when you should eat and what window should you eat in. Um, and we can talk about that. I don't think there's a perfect window per se. I think it's the window that fits your lifestyle. Um, and that's the most important one because then you can do it consistently day in, day out. And, you know, as far as benefits, I think it just depends. I think I like to use it. I don't think I like to use it for people who plateau per se. So like I said, if you've been trying a lot of things and you're like, God, I'm just not getting the results that I want. I think fasting is a great tool to add in, you know, let's say you've cleaned up your eating and you're like, God, I'm still, you know, that was sort of me. I cleaned up my eating. I got 40 years old and wow, it's just not as easy to, to maybe uh, look the way I, I, I looked before, feel the way I felt before. And so that sort of spurred me into fasting. Um, and it turned back the clock a bit, I think. <laughs> I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah. So what prompted you to get into it? I mean, obviously you said what you were doing wasn't working. So where did you first hear about it and decide to implement it? Well, it, it really was from a client of mine. She was actually pre-diabetic. Um, you know, so she had um, high insulin and she was not going down a good path. She just start, did her own research and started doing it and started doing some extended fasts as well, which is, you know, not for everybody, but she wanted to, you know, sort of get some great results. And uh, she did. And all her blood levels came back to normal. And she kept talking about it. I was like, well, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm getting older. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. And um, yeah, I just remember the first time I tried fasting, I think I went to go like golf. I, I would, I would say if you're first trying it out, maybe just keep, stay busy, but maybe just don't. I think I was on the golf course. I'm like, God, I'm like, I'm pretty hungry. Um, so there's definitely like an adjustment period. Uh, but yeah, so a client of mine spurred me on and that just sort of took it from there. I love that you mentioned the adjustment period because I'm sure that you've heard this time and time again. I know that I have as well. People are like, well, I tried that, but I was starving. This happened. I felt terrible, et cetera. Well, I mean, we kind of have to think of fasting kind of like going into the gym and lifting weights. If you've never gone in and lifted weights, you're not going to go in and deadlift 300 pounds. That's just not how it works. Right. And it's the right. same thing with our body. We have to kind of train our body. And so there's a great approach to that. And what's your take on all of that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I coach that you should definitely ease yourself into fasting if you've never done it. And um, I like to say, you know, take that, whatever that first meal is, maybe push it back a half hour, an hour. You know, some people like to go cold turkey. They're like, oh, I'll just skip and keep going. But I would say for most people, push it back gradually. And then you just sort of start to realize that, you know, maybe these hunger cues, I'm not really hungry. It's just, um, it's based off the time that I'm just used to eating. So when you start pushing your meals uh, into a certain window, you realize that, you know, you have control over when you want to eat. You don't have, you're not sort of controlled by perhaps like the clock. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So do you recommend, I know for me, what I've found is that with my clients, I like to recommend they start working towards getting fat adapted first, because I find a lot of people are consuming large amounts of sugar. And when I say sugar, I'm not talking Snickers bars and all of that. I'm talking carbohydrates like, you know, rice cakes and uh, cere breakfast cereal, granola, you name it, all that kind of stuff. People don't realize that that is a sugar too. And so I've found when I start removing that first and then start having people extend their eating, like lower their eating window and extend their fasted time that I see more results. Mm -hmm. Is that how you kind of try to tackle it or what's your technique as far as that goes? Yeah, I like that. I think that's the most optimal technique because I think it'll make the fasting part easier. You know, if you have a piece of cake and then you go try to fast, it's just not going to be easy. You're, you know, your insulin and blood sugar is going to drop and you're going to sort of, you know, get hangry as they say. Um, and it's just going to make it more difficult. So, so yes, I, in an ideal world, if you can clean up your eating, like you mentioned, cut out a lot of the refined carbs, vegetable oils, things like that. Um, and then, you know, switch that into obviously, you know, maybe some, if you're going to have carbs, maybe some carbs that aren't so, you know, refined and get into eating, maybe making protein, the staple of your, of your meals, uh, cause it's very satiating and it, and, and it's in, you're going to be able to fast longer and get into it. Yeah. So it makes everything easier. 
but you know, some people don't, don't want to change their eating habits. And so I think it can be just almost just as effective to shrink that eating window. And even if they want to eat when they want to eat, that's fine. I think if you take one thing at a time and just focus on it, I think that's most important. I like that because I think sometimes people kind of get overwhelmed in the monotony of things and they overdo the details rather than just focusing on one thing and getting started with it. So I definitely like that. And I definitely have clients in my own uh, following that they like to, you know, they'll, they still eat carbs and stuff, obviously clean, unrefined processed carbs, but they eat carbs yet they fast because that still is kind of effective as far as your body burning its own fat for fuel and understanding how to change its fuel sources. Yeah. And yet, you know, changing your body's fuel sources, this could take time as well. Like you said, like, um, I was just interviewing a coach from the fasting method, Dr. Terry Lance. And she's like, yeah, usually it could take people up to a month to realize that. I, I think that it's sort of, you just got to listen to your body. And if you can just take maybe um, one meal and maybe just, you know, maybe reduce the carbs a little bit and introduce some fat and protein, and that'll help the process of get fat adapted along with obviously doing some fasting. I like that. So obviously slowly extending your eating window, and it's a lot easier than most people think. I know for myself and my clients, I usually will start them out with like an eight 16. So eight hours is their eating window, 16 hours fasted. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Like an eight 60 or 16, eight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so eight hour eating window, um, is a good place to start you know, let's just say it's from noon to eight or from 10 to six. I always say a good rule of thumb is you don't want to eat right when you get up, right? Uh, Cortisol levels are high. um, And so I would say a good rule of thumb is if you're going to start eating, put, you know, don't eat right away and and then pick a time to stop. (laughs) Um, And that could be eight o'clock. That could be seven o'clock. Uh, cause you want to give your body some time to digest. And typically when you're, if you're eating late at night, your body is going to be, uh, that same food that let's say you would have in the middle of the day, your body's not going to respond the same to that. And you'll get a, probably higher insulin levels from that. So I would say, yes, a 16, eight is a good place to start. And you can do three meals within that eight hour. Eight. I always thought I was like, well, now how many meals am I going to have in that? <laughs> I was like, I remember being confused at first. And then it just got to the point where I was like, you know, just two meals is, is, is doable within that eating window. And yeah, I mean, I don't even, you know, I don't even think about restricting uh, calories at all. Like I I actually, what I find, I don't know about you, Connie, but uh, when I got into fasting, um, you just, you you end up not eating as much. You don't need, you, you get full faster and you just don't, you get satisfied and you don't need to eat more. And that is one thing I love and it can be a good and bad thing. I feel like, I think if somebody has a lot of weight to lose, then, you know, cool. I think though, uh, for myself, whereas I'm a high performing athlete, I need to be intaking a certain amount of food. And so for that reason, I track because I find when I'm in ketosis or I'm fasting that I'm just not hungry and I don't really care about food. And I love being fasted. I feel so great. I have so much energy. My brain is clear. I get so much work done. And so then I'm just like, I'll eat a meal like at like 10 or 11 or 12, whenever I get around to it, I'll eat that meal. And then I'm like, ah, the brain power is gone. (laughs) I feel so weighed down. I, it's just like, it's such a, um, I, for me, it's a double-edged sword because I love to do it so much that I probably do it too much. And I have to be like, okay, Connie, you're getting an X amount of protein today and X amount of fats and carbs, and you better fit it in, you know, and I don't care when I fit it in, but it has to be in my eating window. So, um, that's one, one place where you have to be a little bit careful because you feel so dang great when you're fasting, you have a tendency to take it, or at least for myself, I have a tendency to take it overboard. Yeah. I mean, especially like you said, you're, you're very apt, you're very active. You're a high performing, you know, athlete. Uh, so yeah, it depends. I, I I'm the same way a little bit. Like I always, you know, they always, you know, I interview a lot of experts and they talk about protein. Well, how much protein you usually hear about a, a gram per body weight. Well, I, I used to, well, when I wasn't eating meat, which, which was a few years ago, uh, I had trouble getting there. Now I I've introduced high quality grass fed, grass finished meat, and that's helped, but still, I probably don't get to that amount. 
Um, so it is, it can be difficult. I, I try to consume is, you know, a decent amount of protein when I'm eating it. I think what it does make you do when you only have a meal or two a day is you, you really have to focus in on having quality foods because you got that one shot, <laughs> Absolutely. you know, if you're, you know, so no more, uh, no more deep dish pizza and you're going to want to have, you, you're going to want to like, you know, refuel with something that's, that's satiating nutrient dense and things like that. So. So when you break a fast, Brian, what does your meal usually look like? Yeah. So, um, it's a good question. I, I like you, well, I used to have like a salad, like in the middle of the day, I used to have this big salad, uh, and maybe put some protein on it, but I actually found that weighed me down a little bit, even though obviously you hear like salads, you know, you know, technically it's not like a refined car, but mm -hmm. it would weigh me down a bit, like you mentioned. And so I actually try to sort of, if, I, if I'm going to have any carbs, I actually backload them towards the end of the day. Um, and I like to have something lighter as far as just like protein or fat. So this could be like an omelet, you know, scrambled eggs, and maybe, you know, uh, maybe I'll put some locks in there. Um, avocado, I would say maybe, maybe some, I don't do a ton of dairy, but maybe some cottage cheese. So I'll break it with that. And, and like you mentioned, I, you don't want to sort of feel brought down in the middle of the day, especially when you get into this rhythm of fasting. And so I like, that's what I sort of, that was a shift that I made is that if I'm going to have carbs, I'll just have it towards the end of the day. Cause I don't, I don't do that many productive things <laughs> later and not as many, I guess. Um, yeah. That's funny that you say that. So I'm very similar when I break a fast, I'm sure people that follow me on Instagram are like, holy cow, this chick eats so much food. How in the heck does she keep this physique that she has? You know, I'm by no means a shredded bodybuilder anymore, but I feel like I keep myself up pretty well. And I, uh, I eat like, I'll eat a bunch of steak and eggs and wow. cheese and <laughs> like so many eggs. I mean, my average breakfast has four to five eggs in it and and then some kind of other protein source some kind of meat um but yeah i'll always have these giant just like you said with avocado uh, avocado and steak and eggs is like amazing yeah. and it's a great way to break a fast because you're not um you, you know after you get that cellular turnover you're not introducing a bunch of garbage right back in when your body is m most likely to absorb it yeah no, and, and I would say some of that starting fasting as well. I think it's good to start with something that's lighter, a little easier to, to digest, especially if they've never done it before. I would say like a bone broth or some type of soup is a great way to sort of break the fast and just wake up the digestive system. Obviously, if you're doing it, some extended fasting, um, that then for sure you want to you know maybe break it with like a bone broth. I love that. Now, how do you feel speaking of bone broth about people getting into fasting by maybe doing some bone broth fasting, yeah. um, things like that? Because for some people, obviously we talked about this jumping into fasting can be really difficult, but there are other methods that you can kind of use because fasting is really great for your digestion and everything. So, um, how do you feel about bone broth fasts and things like that? Yeah, actually, I had another guy from the fasting method that I interviewed this guy, Larry Diamond lost a ton of weight. And um, I haven't published his interview yet. But he does a lot uses a, a lot of bone broth fasts. And, you know, there's a lot of minerals in there and things like that, that can help spur you on through a fast. So I would say, yeah, if, if that's something that you want to give a go, give it a go. I don't do it a ton with my clients. You know, m my thing is, um, at least for me, like, a little bit can lead to more. Um, so I, I just, I guess, at least for myself and my clients, I get, I get, I try to be careful around the fact that, you know, for example, like people like, let's just say they want Diet Coke or something, you know, that sweetness can just spur more hunger on. So I just think, you know, obviously bone broth is not like drinking <laughs> Diet Coke, You're, you know, a lot of minerals, electrolytes, things like that. So it, it, it can work, especially just the plain one. But I just think anytime you add in any flavor, it can sort of, you know, spur on eating and make the fasting more difficult. Absolutely. I would agree yeah. with you on that, especially in the diet Coke realm, right? Like you see people, mm. they're like, well, I'm having black coffee, but then they put some kind of artificial sweetener in it. Well, a lot of people don't realize that artificial sweeteners, especially in diet sodas and stuff like that, cause a cephalic insulin response. So then you're fasted, you have nothing on board, your blood sugar stable, you get this insulin response, and then there's nothing for this insulin to take care of. So then your blood sugar drops. So then what does your body do? It gets crazy hungry and it 
it craves all of the worst things because it's trying to get instant energy in in order to bring that blood sugar back up to a stable place. So a lot of people don't realize that when they're drinking these sodas and all these things that it's actually being detrimental to their, um, their hunger signaling. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I would say the only things that I add in for fasting is I'll do so I'll make myself like a, um, a cold brew, like a, a black, a black coffee from time to time. But, um, one of the things I liked to, to do as well is I like to work out in a fasted state. Um, I used to like always think I needed to have something before a workout. Is it, it, what about you, Connie? I know you work out early, so you pre- you're you're definitely fasted. Yeah, right? I can't even tell you the last time I worked out with food on board, honestly, Brian. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I guess if I end up working out later in the day, then I have something in my system, which has kind of been a thing lately because I'm doing two a days because Mm. I'm, I'm a difficult person to deal with as far as dealing with myself goes, because I want to be a bodybuilder, but I want to be an endurance cyclist. And so there's a little bit of a clash of the Titans going on right now with that. So, um, so right now I'm doing two a days at the gym. I don't recommend that for everybody. And if you do decide to go down that route, you need to have a skilled coach to help you because um, adrenal management is really important as far as overdoing it that way. So um, I do though, and later in the day, if I'm doing fasted cardio workouts or whatever, I, I sometimes will end up having food on board because of the way it falls in the day. So, but you know, circling back, even when I'm cycling, um, not indoors, I guess in the summertime, I prefer to be, to be completely fasted. And the longer I'm fasted, the better I perform. And that might seem crazy, but when you don't have a bunch of glycogen in your system, your body doesn't produce lactic acid. So you're not getting that. I mean, all of us at one point in our lives have gone for a run or a walk or a hike, and you get that lactic acid build up. Your legs feel heavy. They're burning. Like it's a horrible feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't get that buildup when you are fasted. And so I actually prefer to work out fasted as well. Yeah, I do. I do too as well. I was going to say that since the whole uh, quarantine went on, I've pushed my workouts more like mid to late mid day, early afternoon, and I'll work out in a fasted state. And then, and then I'll break my, and then I'll break my fast afterwards. Um, Not to say that you need to eat right after you work out, but you know, I usually wait a little bit, but maybe half hour, hour, it's sort of like a reward. I don't know. It's like, okay, you fasted, you worked out. Okay. I can, (laughs) I can eat. I like that. I've gotten into that rhythm and I enjoy that. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, better focus overall when you're fasted in a fasted state, I think. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk a little bit about fasting times and intervals. There is so much information out there uh, on the internet, on podcasts. Some people say you should do only intermittent fasting two days to a week. Some people say once a month, and then you got people saying do an extended fast, like three to five days, every six months to a year. Um, Mm. what, how do you feel about all that information? Well, I mean, there's a lot out there and I don't think necessarily, you know, it's not all right and it's not all wrong. I think it just depends on what your goals and why you're doing, why you're fasting. Um, you know, if you're fasting, let's say you're pre-diabetic and, you know, maybe, you know, you're obese or, and, and, and you need to take some action, then you're going to take different steps than perhaps, I don't know, someone else who has 10% body fat and they just want to just sort of lean out a little bit. So I, I think it just depends, you know, as far as fasting windows is, I mean, like you said, I think a good rule of thumb is to just start with that 16, eight and go from there like for me, it's sort of evolved over time. And now I'm probably about, you know, I would say I'm in a fastest state for 20. And then I have like about a four hour eating window. And then I fluctuate that. And then I would say that extended fasts, I think are good to do every once in a while, you know, obviously fasting is a stressor. So you don't want to overdo it. And you sort of got to monitor how you're feeling. But yeah, like I like, to, I, I don't do crazy, like I've done a couple day fasts, I'll do those maybe every few months. Um, just to sort of, you know, push it a little bit, but, you know, I only, I only recommend extended fast for people who probably done, let's say 16, eight or 24 for 
at least you know a few months until you get into any extended fasts. But with any of it, like I said, it is a, a bit of a stressor and you just got to monitor your sleep and other things and your stress and make sure that, you know, you're, you're on board and ready to go. Absolutely. Um, so circling back to that just a little bit, um, you know, originally when I was in the bro science end of things a little bit more, the the bro (laughs) mentality, I would think, oh my God, if I fast, I'm losing muscle. Like right now I'm already losing muscle. I'm already losing muscle. I would get so afraid. Right. But here's the thing people don't realize is like after an extended fast, of course, you're going to lose some muscle. And I don't know how you feel about this. You can chime in at any point, but, um, of course you're going to lose some muscle, but when you do an extended fast, there's a, a, an extreme amount of cellular autophagy. And when that happens, your body re- releases a lot of growth hormone and begins to heal a lot of things. And so a lot of these people, even people that are in extremely good shape, um, they will, they will lose muscle. Like, I'm not going to say that doesn't happen, but several months down the road, they end up actually gaining more than they lost because of the huge growth hormone response to fasting. Right. No, you're, 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 you're spot on with that. I mean, I think that, um, well, I'll just tell you this. Uh, I did a s- small little breather micro podcast for myself. I took a DEXA scan in the beginning of the year and then, you know, got more into fasting. Well, I was in fa- I got in, I was in fasting for, uh, before that, but, it, but for the whole year, I ended up putting on muscle and I've done more fasting this year than any other year. So you can build muscle and fast. Yeah. If you do an extended fast, you're probably going to lose a little bit of muscle. It's just going to happen. But like you said, it's the long-term benefits that you're looking for, you know, the short term. Yeah. Maybe in the short term, you might lose a little bit, but you're also going to lose some fat. You're going to get into autophagy. You're going to have, you know, you're going to sort of, I mean, I think fasting spiritually wise is just a great thing in the sense that, you know, abstaining from food, you know, is, you know, it sort of humbles you. It, it makes you realize that, um, you know, you don't always need to eat. And, you know, um, there's a lot of people who don't have a choice whether they have, they can eat or not. So I just think it's like mentally just such a great sort of, um, like it just, it can build you up, you know, it just makes you stronger. Um, and so, yeah, no, you're right on with all that. Um, and I was going to say something else and I forgot, but (laughs) Well, so, you know, circling back here, Brian, um, you know, and I don't know how, what the uh, truth is to this, but I was actually reading something at one point that said back in the day, like all of these, these major scholars like Plato and Socrates and all these people that are well looked, looked at even Mm -hmm. now, they used to require that their students came to class fasted because their brain state was in a sharper, their brain was in just a sharper state. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think we both can agree on that, right? 100%. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, you eat food and, you know, your digestive system and all your, all your blood flows flowing in to digest that food. And in that sort of, you, you know, you, and then, you know, you get a crash after, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people who have lunch and then crash after, after they eat. Um, and so, you know, I think the main thing to do also is to, if, if let's say if someone's listening, they're like, well, I don't know if I want to get into fasting. Well, I would say a good starting point, we haven't talked about it, is just how about no snacking? You know, just have, if you want three meals, have three meals. You know, if you wanted it 8 a.m., 12 and 6. But if you can just eliminate snacking, I think that can go a long way. I love that idea. And that's a great thing. I don't know why I haven't said that before to people. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it is kind of funny, though, when I do um, work on people's meal guidelines, they're always like, when do you want, like, I'll put a snack in there, but I'm usually like, I would add that to your meal somewhere or Mm -hmm. however you see fit. And they're like, well, shouldn't I be eating five meals a day? And I'm like, no, not really. Yeah, I know. I was the same way. I used to think I have to eat all, all day. If I had an inkling of hunger and I've said it before, I used to grab like those kind bars and, um, and eat those. But, uh, but yeah, once you, once you eliminate snacking, I think it can just go a long way. And it, it, you know, we're all fast. We all do fasting, right? Cause we're fast overnight. Um, so we all can do it. And you think you wake up and you'd be really hungry, right? Cause you've, you know, but your body, your body's a, an amazing instrument. And if you go without food, um, not, not only do you have a lot of hormonal benefits, but also you realize that, you know, you don't need to eat all the time. <laughs> you can have plenty of energy. You can work out and do a lot of different things. 
Absolutely. And I want to touch on something you said right there, and you may not be the person to ask, but maybe you do know, how do you feel about fasting and digestion? You mentioned digestion back there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not like my area of expertise per se, but, um, a lot of times, you know, if, if you give yourself time to heal without eating anything, well, I would say your body's going to heal itself for a lot of different things. Um, and you can talk about digestion. Um, and one of the things is I would say that for most people, they have digestive issues because of the things that they're eating. So if they take a break from that, they're going to be feeling a lot better. And, and, a, and a lot of disease and things like that start from the gut. So that's why fasting can be so, so like beneficial in the sense that you're letting your gut heal and, and it's going to sort of do repairs on, on things that, you know, that, that need it. Um, so huge for gut health for sure. And, uh, it's a great first step. I love that. Well, so are there any other tips that you can give my listeners as far as getting started with fasting? Um, maybe some tricks that can help get them started. Yeah, I would say that, um, well, my first tip would be that whatever their first meal is, let's just say, push it back an hour and do that for a week. And then once they get that down, they can keep pushing it back. So that would be a, a, a first tip. Uh, another tip would be that, um, no snacking. <laughs> so, and they're like, Oh my God, I want to snack. I mean, nowadays there's so many snacks for any type of eating, right? Mm-hmm. You got the carnivore snacks, you got keto. I mean, keto, how many keto snacks are there out there? <laughs> It's like, it's crazy. It is a little crazy. I mean, the thing about it is we're always going to be fed all this stuff and there's always going to be food on every corner. And nowadays, you know, people are delivering, you can get anything you want at your doorstep because you know what? No one makes any money when you fast. So it's never really going to be truly mainstream. So you got to have a little bit of self-discipline. But, you know, cutting out stacking can go such a long way. And I like to say, like, you know, try some sparkling water. I know it's boring. Um, sparkling water, tea, or coffee, use those as instruments, um, you know, as, as, as ways to sort of get through those, those times where maybe you're used to snacking. Um, and you know, when I do extended fast, I think sparkling water is great because it sort of like fills you up. I never used to like sparkling water until I started fasting. Yeah. I think the carbonation definitely has something to do with making you feel more satiated. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then the other big thing is just, you know, having nutrient dense meals, you know, whole unprocessed foods really goes a long way and will help you fast. Um, I mean, I, my, my, my wife and I, we, we cook pretty much every day. Um, I, uh, because you know, we both, well, I've been working from home and, and for the most part she has as well. And so, yeah, if you can, if you can, I know you had Dr. Bill Schindler on, right. I saw mm-hmm. that. He's yeah. awesome. <laughs> he's, he's great. And talk about just like making everything or not making everything, but making like just a lot of different things, a lot of different foods that can go a long way. Um, and you know, you start cooking and you realize you don't need to put all this stuff in, in, in foods. And instead of ordering in, it makes a, you know, makes a big difference in health. Absolutely. And the stuff I watch on his Instagram, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, will you bring that to me? It looks so good. (laughs) He was making pork rinds yesterday and it was so fun to watch how he did it. And like the pork rind was way better than any you'd ever see in a bag. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I just want to dip that thing in some cheese. It looks so good. (laughs) Yeah. I got to go back on there. Um, I just got some grass fed liver, um, and I've never done it before. So is that, have you ever prepared liver? Yeah. So, um, we are avid hunters. And so every year we, we shoot an an elk or a deer or some kind of critter to eat. Uh, and, and so typically, yeah, like the liver, we just shot an elk this fall and the liver was huge. It was like the biggest liver I've ever seen, healthiest liver I've ever seen. And, uh, it's really, really, my husband, he loves to just cook it straight up. I'm not as much of a liver fan. Um, he'll cook it right straight up. Um, and so I cook it straight up, meaning like grill it or he'll, no? he'll slice it and just saute it with some saute. onions and butter and okay. 
and maybe some garlic sometimes, but yeah, yeah, it's just super simple to cook it up that way. I, I have a little bit of a texture issue when it comes to liver. And the funny thing is, is I know how good it is for you. It has so many amazing health benefits. And so what I did is with all of our organ meats, I typically try to just grind them right into the, the ground meat so that oh, I see. Okay. they're in there, but then I don't really notice that they're there. Okay. You blend it up. Yeah. Yep. I, I've, I've bought blends before. I've never blended my own, but, um, I've also heard with liver that you want to soak it. Do you, does he, does he soak it in anything like milk or not? Okay. No, we don't soak our livers. The one that we do soak is heart when we eat it. So, okay. um, that one we usually do soak, but just in some water with some salt in it, we don't soak it in any kind of milk or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, I'll report back with you. Yeah. If you want to <laughs> dive into organ meats, honestly, the best place to start is chicken hearts. And I know that might sound a little bit crazy, but, um, you can buy, you can go to your health food store and buy just like a package of chicken hearts and just get some garlic and some butter and saute yeah. those babies up and eat them. They actually taste pretty good. And it's a great, um, gateway organ meat, uh, I guess I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've done, I've done heart. We've done heart actually. And that actually came out. It was like, the texture was a little rougher than, but like, it was like a beef tenderloin. I mean, yeah. it wasn't, yeah, it was, it was good. Well, and that was one amazing thing going back to Dr. Bill, but he talks about that in the podcast I did with him is in other countries, they don't give a crud about the muscle meat. They all value the organs because they're so nutrient dense. And he said, that's where us as Americans, we don't value nutrient density. And so we're not looking because we don't have to, we're not looking for the most nutrient dense food. We're just right. picking up whatever is accessible. Whereas in, in tribes and things like that, they have to look at what is going to benefit their health the most and what's going to keep them going for the longest. So he said he, they treat in most tribes, the organ meats are like, like gold. They treat them like they're the highest of high food that they can get. And then the muscle meat, they just get in there and they chop it up and they throw it in a bucket and that's it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah. And they drink blood. Yeah. Right? He, did he talk about that? Okay. Yeah. There are tribes out there that do that. And, um, it's really incredible. Blood that, and milk. Yeah. Yep. Blood and raw milk. Yeah. Because they see them as a renewing resource, right? So they do not kill the animal to drink the blood. They actually just draw the blood out of it, yeah. drink it. Same thing with milk. It's a renewable resource. And so they're not killing the animals. They just use them for their, their resources. Mm, makes sense. Yeah. Pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, it would take some getting used to that's for sure, but we're yes. awful. We're awful spoiled in, in, oh. in a sense. Oh yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So, you know, you kind of said something back there and, you know, we'll get a little off topic now. Cause I think we covered a lot, but you used to not eat a lot of meat and then that changed. So mm -hmm. I always get interested in asking these questions. Cause I speak with so many people that were like, not really big meat eaters, vegan, vegetarian, things like that. And right. at the time they thought that it was really great for their health until they did it for some time. And they realized that they just weren't feeling as good as they thought that they could. Yeah. Yeah. For a while I was like a pescatarian. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would have fish and then a lot of veggies and things like that. Um, I just sort of made the change. I went, I went into pescatarian as a pescatarian because I, I think I watched a video, like a PETA video on, you know, animal cruelty and I, you know, I love animals. And so I think I, that was the main reason I went that way and doing it for a few years, I realized just being really active and stuff. It just, I wasn't getting the results and I, my, it just wasn't getting the results I wanted. I felt like I was, I, it was very tough to get enough protein. And, um, and so, yeah, I just, you know what, I started looking up some quality meats out there that, you know, that raise their animals in a sustain, you know, sustainable, humane way. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of, you know, the way I, I justified it. And then I also actually, you know, read some carnivore books and started learning about, you know, um, just how nutrient dense, um, animals are and what we can get from it. And so, yeah, just got in. I, I think I started ordering, uh, right, right around when the quarantine started, like force of nature is a company that I've used and, um, just sort of went from there, started having their blends and things like that. And, um, yeah, it's definitely like, like I said, it's, it's, I, you know, it's, it's helped me put on muscle for sure. 
no mm-hmm. doubt about it, because it really helped up my protein intake along with obviously other benefits like B vitamins and iron and things like that and creatine and things like that. Absolutely. And I tell people, people get so afraid of red meat because Western medicine tells them to be, which is crazy. But, um, you know, a lot of that stuff, there's a lot of compounds that you can only get out of red meat. So if you're just eating chicken and fish and, you know, seafood and stuff like that, uh, you know, you're not just, you're not going to be getting all of the nutrients and minerals and the micronutrients. That's something that a lot of people don't talk about, but you're not getting a lot of that unless you're eating red meat. Yeah. Yeah. I like to mix it up between that and like, um, well, like wild salmon is, is, you know, um, cause I had, um, Marty Kendall, I interviewed Marty Kendall. He's, and you know, fish is very, very nutrient dense as well. So you can get away with it. I would say if you're a full on vegetarian, it's very, probably very difficult to hit, hit the amount of protein that you would need. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as you age, right. Sarcopenia and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's, that much more important, uh, I find just from my own research and just interviewing experts as, you know, make protein the staple of your meals. And if you're a vegetarian, it, it can be, you know, I don't know how, you know, hemp protein, pea protein, um, there's only so much you can do there. Right. And a lot of those, a lot of people don't realize that plant proteins more often than not don't have the cle- the complete amino acid sequences right. to actually help you build your cells and repair and recover and all these things. So it's really the bioavailability of it is just not there. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, well, awesome, Brian, if you, what would you leave us with as far as this podcast goes? <laughs> what is your biggest takeaway? Obviously you said not snacking is a great thing, but um, you know, if you could get any one thing out in the world, what would it be? Oh my God. A lot of pressure. And it's funny. Cause I asked, I asked my guests the same thing or very similar thing. Um, if I could get one thing out in the world. Um, well, since it is on fasting, I would say if you've never done it, to give it a go and get out of, you know, you just want to get out of your comfort zone. I think that's what it's really about. Cause when it comes down to it, it, it is a mental game. It's really, it really is. And eating is a mental game. Hunger, hunger cues are a mental game. Um, and I think that if you just give it a go, you know, give yourself a month. And if you're still not where you're at, then you can always adjust. But I would just say abstain from food and, and see how you feel and go from there. But it does take time. And I would just say it, it, a lot of it's just all in your mind. So I guess that would be my, my, my one thing is if you've never done it, give it a go. First of all, you're safe. I, I love the fact that you can save time. You save money. It gives you flexibility. You know, if you, tra- for example, I, I just traveled a little bit. I w- went to Florida, had to get out of Chicago in the winter. Um, so went to Florida and I had a flight. I fasted that day. It's like, you know, you're traveling. Do you really want to eat? airplane food, you know, you don't, everyone else around you is eating that stuff and it's such junk. So you, it really just gives you that flexibility and it, and, and again, it's, it, it, it's something that I would recommend for everybody. I love that you said that right there, the flexibility (laughs) part. That's a big thing because like, I, I mean, especially for me, like cycling, like the last race I did took nine hours and everybody else was stopping to eat or eating while they were riding. And I, I didn't have to pack a bunch of food or nothing. I I just went for it and it was great. (laughs) So I love that. And I love the airplane thing too. I, I try not to, to eat anything in airports or on airplanes, especially because I mean, point blank, first of all, the food is nasty. Second of all, the environment is nasty. Who wants to get food out in that area and eat it? No, thanks. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, nowadays they don't even, you know, I guess it's a good thing. They don't really serve food anymore on planes, unless you're probably flying international. So, mm-hmm. you know, they might give you a little packet of peanuts or, you know, but that's um. about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, it was really great to reconnect with you. Have you come on my show uh, again? I'm so thankful for the circle of people that I'm surrounded with because I love meeting these people and staying in connection with them um, all the time. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, no, thanks, Connie. And I, I, um, I'm glad I, I got on your podcast. I, I love it. You have a lot of great guests and um, yeah, I'll definitely keep listening. So thanks for having me on. You're welcome. So where can my listeners find you? Uh, they can go to Brian, my name, BrianGrin.com, and everything will be on there. I'm getting a little bit of a website overview, but uh, not overview, uh, overhaul, I would say, 
But, uh, and then I also have a fasting challenge, which eases you in the fasting. So it's a 21 day fasting challenge.com. And, uh, yeah, it's just a great way to get started. You sort of journal every day, um, get, get daily emails and accountability and it, it'll ease you into the fast. So I love that. I think that's awesome. You know, finding support to when you yeah. want to start trying something new is a really super important thing. And I love that there's guys like you out there doing stuff like that and making it available to people because you never know when that one little challenge you sign up for sets you down this road. That's an, a, a, such a better path, you know? Yeah. And you talk about support, not to, but like, also I would know one other quick tip is, you know, if you're going to get into fasting, you don't need to tell people that you think aren't going to be supportive of it because there are people that are going to be like, they're going to pretty much think you're crazy. Mm-hmm. So only tell people who you think are going to be supportive. And that you makes know, it a lot easier. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. you wouldn't believe the things that I, I mean, you would, I'm sure you hear a lot of it, but it's like, when I don't let my kids eat a bunch of garbage all the time, people think that I'm like killing like, them. Yeah, right. It's like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, I'm trying to set them up for success in their life later on. I don't want them to have diabetes and heart conditions and be on all these medications. I'm looking out for them right now. I'm the, the end game is, is in my vision now. And I get, I, boy, do I get attacked about that? So, uh, I understand completely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, Brian, it's been a pleasure. I'll put all your information in the show notes so my listeners can go find it and maybe sign themselves up for that 21 day fasting challenge and, and give it a try and implement it into their journey. Awesome. Thanks for having me on Connie. Well, friends, thank you again so much for joining me. I'm really appreciative of it as always. I'm really excited because next week, I believe I will be having an episode with Sonia Spill. She is an expert on all things sex. And I know that seems crazy to talk about on air, but it is an extremely important subject, especially for women, because a lot of them don't understand the mechanisms and things behind it and actually how healthy it can be. So Sonia and I are going to dive into all of that, which is super exciting. And that is next Monday. You won't want to miss that one. It will not be one you want to listen to in the car with your kids. So make sure that you set aside some time next Monday to catch up with Sonia and I. Until then, we'll see you next time.